0: Hello and welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Arsenal, Repeat podcast on the Guna Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today for episode four uh, and our first episode, of course, after Christmas. We took a brief hiatus uh, with plenty of festivities and merriment, uh, especially in the world of Arsenal, of course, going on as well uh, to have a bit of a break. But we've regrouped. Uh, trust me, Sophie is here in spirit, <laughs> but uh, she'll be here in physical form, hopefully at some point throughout the show as well. We're just having a couple of technical difficulties, but because of time constraints, uh, we are going ahead and hopefully we'll find Sophia maybe on a different device than she's been recording on. It's funny because actually an hour ago I was just recording with Wayne, who also had uh, difficulties. It's been back-to-back tech diffs uh, today. But I'm very happy to be joined, of course, with no tech diffs and certainly no background noise by Dr. Raj. How you doing, mate? You good, well?
2: Yeah, I'm good. in a very private area today, so. <laughs>
0: Lovely stuff. You
2: those comments to yourselves. Yeah.
0: We heard doing... we heard your comments, people, and uh, I've told him off.
2: <laughs> yeah, and now he's in yeah. a quiet
0: place. So uh... doing well,
2: doing well. I think I think people will redirect that anger towards uh, Newcastle's antics yesterday rather than mm. me. So I'm okay with that.
3: Lovely stuff, Owen. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm re- ready for this uh, fitness kickstart to the new year. Normally, I'm not one to to start new challenges in in January because I, I feel like everybody sort of feels. Uh, when they start in January for some reason but um, I've got the motivation now because it turns out that three people bought me cheese boards um, for Christmas (laughs) and apparently my missus just seemingly thinks it's natural for one person to eat three share-sized cheese boards so um, I've been force-fed but I'm ready to shed it all now so Round
0: like yeah, uh, I feel that would be a good place to start, actually, with our Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat. Of course, we're mm-hmm. going to talk a bit about Arsenal uh, as well, but I'm very happy to announce also that Sophie can hear us. Sophie, how are you doing?
4: I can hear you now. It's like yeah, the it's... commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me
0: now? <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes. Lovely stuff. How are we? We good?
4: Not too bad. Uh, yeah, not too bad at all. How are you fellas doing this fine day?
0: Yes, it's difficult to say which day it is because we usually record on Tuesdays. (laughs) We're recording on Wednesday and it's going out on Thursday. So yes, it's it's a difficult one. But uh, no, doing good, doing well. I thought the best way to start with this is to talk about what our favourite cheat food over the Christmas period was. So I know you're quite good on the spot with these questions. So I'm going to start with you. Cheat or deep? cheat as in like what's the worst food you ate for your body over this period
4: Uh, right okay so it was a bit of a weird Christmas because it didn't it wasn't as traditional um you know I I I got sick a little bit but the minute I felt better the first thing I did was I got an in and out burger um and I got two actually I got one traditionally with the the spread and then I always have to get one with pickles ketchup and mustard as a just-in-case for later on in the evening when I'm feeling peckish. So in and out was my cheap, and it was actually uh, a cheat as well. Cheat and cheap. <laughs>
0: yeah, lovely stuff. Raj, what did the doc have that was a, a cheat code over Christmas?
2: Probably oh, a few things. Probably more desserts, uh, ice mm. cream. I have plenty of it. It's also it's an interesting time. It's not just the holidays. It's also my wife's and her sister's birthday. Nice. So there's a uh. lot of um, – and then it's my – Niece's birthday, January actually Mm. yesterday, so it's a lot of um, celebrations going on. But typically, yeah, mine will be cake or pie.
0: Nice, yeah. We have a lot of birthdays. It's my sister-in-law's like a week before Christmas, and then her aunt's a few days after, and everyone's pretty close on that side of the family. So yeah, it's it's a chaotic time with lots of lots of birthdays, and then Christmas and New Year's going on. Owen, I'm. I'm hanging on you to give me something impressive here. So Yeah, man.
4: In and out wasn't impressive. In no, but we don't have oh, that here in
0: the UK, fine. so I can't oh, really okay.
3: relate. <laughs> I feel pretty guilty. That's that's awful. But Raj basically said he had a carrot as a cheat, which makes me feel even worse about myself. But <laughs> um l- Look, a mistake we made was this was the first Christmas. It was just myself, uh, my partner, and um, the two kids. And we did Christmas in our own house normally. We would go somewhere else. But we bought way too much turkey and way too much ham. And it was just insane, the leftovers. So rather than saying it going to waste, I think what, what I did was I made a loaded Christmas dinner fries. And it was absolutely massive. So it was wow. turkey, turkey, ham, stuffing, cocktail sausages, cranberry sauce, gravy. I knew you wouldn't let me down. <laughs> yeah, I told you, man. I got you covered. Don't worry. Yeah, one hundred percent. I had a Coke Zero though, so that makes it all okay. Oh, that makes it okay. There's
0: nothing bad in there at all, and that's all good. Yeah, yeah. I've been getting into like, my kind of health drink at the moment. It's just been soda and lime, lime cordial with soda water like that. Is my health. Just water's quite boring, even though I drink this massive kind of like giant bottle of water every day, which is like I don't know what must be two liters <laughs> or something in there, um, and I probably go through about two of those. So I'm constantly getting up from my desk to go pee all day because of that. But then on top mm-hmm. of that, because water's quite boring, yeah, lime cordial and soda water has been the savior for me. Uh, very, very good indeed. Uh, Sophie, I think this go on, was I'll the
4: first, down. yeah, the first Christmas I hadn't had a drink since. Probably I was 18 years old. Really? No alcohol from like Christmas. Yeah. Haven't had any alcohol, which, by the way, I'm not sure if this is a good thing, doc, or a bad thing. But just to let the eat, sleep, arsenal, repeat nation know, I've lost six and a half pounds since Christmas Eve just because I haven't been particularly well. Mm. So I'm not saying that's a good thing but yeah you're you also have people
0: get ill no no it's not a strategy yeah. no but
4: it's kick-started <laughs> yeah. the the kind of you know review of alcohol mm. and i like that it's kind of given me i feel so much better without vodka cocktails i have to say
0: mm. deceptively yeah. bad i found out how bad fruit juices you know over christmas really bad um, from concentrate or yeah yeah no, you should yeah that's awful stuff awful awful go on raj you're gonna jump in
2: No, I was going to say, yeah, it's probably not the best idea for losing weight is getting sick or, you know, or visit a third world country and drink the water.
0: Yeah, there's that as well. Indeed. Indeed. Two options. options. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking, I tuned in for Arsenal. Where's the Arsenal? Don't worry. The Arsenal's coming. Um... Over that period, we played uh, three games, including, uh, of course, yesterday. I'll say yesterday, two days ago when you were hearing this uh, draw against Newcastle. And then the wins over West Ham United and Brighton. Um, I, I want to focus more on Newcastle because it is more recent. The two, two wins were great. Um, and I think what's important is because I, I talked, you know, about the ins and outs of the game, and we typically do that on the Raw Reaction Show with Dan and Wayne and, and Guy uh, yesterday. So what I kind of want to focus on with this being in keeping with kind of the fitness and the injury specialisms that we have here, at Raj, is that I thought we really missed the depth in the attack uh, against Newcastle. Arteta had next to nothing really to to come off the bench. He had Fabio Vieira, didn't choose to use him. Um, And obviously there's news coming back that Smith Rowe will hopefully be ready and fit to start against Oxford on Monday, which is great news. But is this the biggest indication of the season so far that we desperately need to be signing somebody during this January window?
2: I can go first. I I think, yeah, I think one to the point about Fabio Vieira, I think the type of game, very, very physical game, some could say even too physical with the way that it was efficient, you know, allowed to go on at times. Low margin game. I don't think it was the right fit for Vieira in the situation, and so I thought that was the right move. But then it's pretty pretty clear. Yeah, it was it was the most telling game in terms of the lack of attacking depth right now, because you would hope to potentially have. I think Martinelli certainly tired out as the game went on, and and you would like to have a different type of thrust. Uh, you know, maybe a player from Ukraine, you know, I won't, you know, who everyone knows about, could have paid some serious dividends there, especially versus a tired defense. But I think it's clear. I think I think when Smith Rowe coming back, we have to be patient with him. He hasn't played in a long time. So you have to be careful with that ramp up. Uh, but he, we know what he offers and he offers a type of style that is still different than, than anyone else on the team. But clearly you need reinforcements. And I think, the need for that is only going to get bigger because players will only get more fatigued as the, the season carries on. Even Eddie, who's played quite well, he's going to have a run of games for amount of time that he hasn't had in his career before. So he's going to get tired out as well. So you're going to see some of those knock-on effects as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we kind of lacked... The cutting edge. Uh, some have argued that despite I thought it was Nketiah's best performance overall outside of the goal scoring, I thought his energy was great. The way he dropped in was really good. The touches in the box were excellent. But the one chance he had, obviously, well saved by Pope. Some people would say that maybe a better striker finishes in that, in, in that area. Did you? What kind of area did you fall on, Eddie? And did it fall for you in a way that made you want us to sign somebody more?
3: Yeah, well, look, I, th- I think just to, just to start off, my position on Eddie has been pretty consistent. And I think it's that whilst I think he's a good striker, I'm just not sure that he's up to the level that we require for a prolonged period of time. Um, You know, we, nobody can deny his instincts in and around the box, his, his movement, his ability to shift a couple of yards and, and find space for himself and to get the shots off. Even, even I think that one chance that was saved by Pope, it was really impressive i don't think he could have done much better he couldn't have done much more it was just that it was a it was a good save mm. what i do where i do find problems in this game and i think uh, people often think there uh, look there's a there's a difference between attacking somebody and, and of a player and i think that it's impossible to deny yesterday i think even yesterday that although he was okay i would say i don't think he was great but but he was okay. I think that if you had someone like a Gabriel Jesus there, was somebody who was better in link up play, somebody who was more willing to shift towards those bylines and drag defenders out of positions, that potentially more space could have been made. Now, the caveat to that is that whilst I do think we were a little slow in terms of um, transition, in terms of pulling the trigger to get the, those attacks going at times, Um, for example, uh, Granit Jack, I think, was very good yesterday, but I'm not sure whether, I'm still undecided whether his final ball was. Really poor, or where our attacking players were really bad at reading what he was going to do. I still don't know yeah. which, but but the caveat is is that Newcastle were fantastic. They came in with a game plan yesterday and played it to absolute perfection. And um, one of the things that amazed me, I was watching that watching the game with my brother, who's a who's a Liverpool fan, and as in, I think it's always interesting to watch the game with somebody who's quite neutral. And one of the things that he picked up on, and I also picked up on, was. Their ability, their ability to reset in defensive shape was absolutely outstanding. I mean, like literally, the ball was hit a switch ball across to Martinelli from the from the right wing onto the left wing, and literally by the time that ball left one person's foot and got to our other player's foot, Newcastle were back into two banks of five basically, Um they were doubling up on Sam Martinelli as well people were talking about the fact that kieran trippier had martinelli in his back pocket that wasn't an individual effort that was a collective effort from the side that was a collective effort from the system and whilst bakai did have some joy on the other side he was relatively limited so i think that i think that i'm not sure you can draw too many conclusions about anybody from that game because simply newcastle are where they are on merit You know, they're not up there by mistake. They've taken points off some of the big hitters in the Premier League this season, and they'll take more points off some of the big hitters again. And it's just to think that this is the blueprint for what we can expect. And now it's time for Mikel Arteta and those players to come up with solutions to to, to those tactics being implemented on us.
0: Yeah, I, I saw your tweet, Sophie. Um, did Eddie Howe call Diego Simeone over Christmas? Ugly from <laughs> Newcastle. Who would have known uh, to be pretty at times? Take the point and move on. Is, is that kind of how you're compartmentalising this? Because I'm finding it hard not to worry that teams are going to look at that as a bit of a blueprint to come to the Emirates and play that same way.
4: One hundred percent. We've seen it happen to Liverpool, Manchester City. We saw it back in the day with the Barcelona teams, you know, how to get physical with them and get physical early in the match. We weren't allowed to play our game. I agree with Owen completely. I think Newcastle came to scrap and have a street fight and they executed flawlessly. You know, Eddie Howe's been known with his Bournemouth teams. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, to have played really pretty football at times. You know, there's... uh, there's a reason why, you know, he was so successful as well, bringing them from the depths of football to the tippy top of the football mountain. And what he's done at Newcastle is phenomenal. And he's doing it with players like Longstaff. I mean, he's, when you look at that team, if you're talking about players that are super talented and have that X factor, you, of course there's Bruno, there's Almiron, um, you know, Joe Ellington, even I think couldn't play his game yesterday. Really. He got physical, he got ugly, he got dirty. They were asked to do something and they executed it to perfection. We are not the type of team that want to get caught in a street fight. It's not our jam at all. And You could see the frustration was building. Um, And at times I think that I thought, wow, this is a team that's really mastered the dark arts. And then I also thought that there was gamesmanship that kind of got ugly. Like, even an example, simple example, like the throw in at the very end where Thomas Partey's trying to get it in and the sub is standing in front of him. That's yeah. Diego Simeone, you know, crap tactics. Mm. And it really escalated into that. Really as... him
0: at Arsenal, by the way, just putting that out there.
4: <laughs> so that what, what was that? was really
0: wanting Simeone, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I loved his place <laughs> earlier on, so he's already heard it
4: from me. So I, I think we're going to have to get used to the fact that this is going to come at us, especially with those kinds of teams, and we can't allow ourselves to get sucked into that. You know, Manchester United are coming to 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 the Emirates in a few weeks, and I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um, You know, we've got Tottenham away. I think that will be a different game. But the Newcastles of the world and those types of of teams that are scrapping for points, Newcastle desperately want Champions League football. It's going to be the tall and the carrot they dangle in the transfer market in the summer. And so for them to come to the Emirates and get a point, massive for them, but also for us to hang on in a league at home where at the end, I don't know about you guys, but when that corner was given in the 94th minute, I just, my heart sank because i like, here we go. Is this going to be that moment? And we have that PTSD still. You know, I I felt half comfortable and half uncomfortable with that moment, Um, but we got out of it with a point and I think that's all that matters. You know, this is a team that is the best defensive uh, squad in in the league, you know, and the media have been lauding Newcastle for that. And then I've seen some comments today, typical Arsenal play them and we get a point and we scrap you know, we didn't get the goal. They don't concede. They don't give away cheap goals. But now it's like, have Arsenal drop points? I don't think for a second we dropped points yesterday. I think we actually secured a point which was really important against a tough, a tough, tough um, side that have improved under Eddie Howe.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think back to last... Season. I know January was a really terrible point of the season for us. So I don't think we won a single game, and obviously we got knocked out of the um, we got knocked out of the League Cup by Liverpool. I think over the of the uh, the two semi final uh, legs. But there was a game at the start of the month. I feel like that we drew. And it wasn't that bad of a draw, um, but then we obviously went on and lost. Uh, I think we we dropped points against Burnley, you know, as well. It wasn't the best uh, performance. I'm just desperately trying now to to pull up those fixtures from the Premier League last season. So, yes, was in January um oh it's all in a different it's really in a really annoying order because of the whole postponements and all the things that we had but in january we had Burnley that we drew nil nil um we had manchester city oh it was the man city game we didn't draw it but we played really really well and we should have won that game against city and then the rest of the month we just kind of faltered now it might be that that draw against newcastle The fact that we didn't lose that means that we haven't got that mental hit. I still think they're going to be disappointed now that no players turned up for the mix zone, by the way, after the game, which kind of gives you a bit of an indication about how they were feeling. The same thing happened at Southampton. I was standing outside with Simon Collins waiting for a player to turn up to a bit of a chat with us after the game. No one did. A draw to these guys feels like a loss and they don't like talking after that. And I can respect that. I, I can respect it when I've had a you know a drink when I've got home rather than standing out in the rain uh, outside the <laughs> St Mary Stadium. But uh, yeah, they, they, it, it does hit them hard. They do and have this season responded. You know, after the Man United game, we on a really good run until Southampton. Now we've gone on a really good run until this game. So I think that we're in a good place where hopefully we can respond away at a Spurs side that have not been good, that have got a manager that says that their best ever position they can ever hope for is fourth. Um, and then we've got a very intriguing game against Manchester United as well. Revenge potentially for what we saw earlier on in the season. Tom, so if... it
4: was it was so important to not lose that game going mm. into the North London derby.
0: Mm. That would Our have title been of the show. I think yesterday, if you can't if you can't win it, don't lose it. That, that, yeah, that was the way to kind of approach that one. Um, now, as I said earlier, we have a Smith rowe coming back. I want to touch on that briefly. Uh, he is expected to to the Athletic to start against Oxford. Raj, what do you think that's going to bring us having Smith Rowe back in the team?
2: Well, I think I mean it brings you one. He's he's, he's arguably the most direct player on the team with his his dribbling style and his ability to I think, to interchange, especially when it comes to those byline like, the byline like we were missing yesterday. And I think that that's something that I actually touched, I want to touch on real quick. Second half yesterday, there was still a significant improvement in how we got between the lines from the first half to the second half. If anyone remembers in the first half, there was that period where there was triangle, there was a triangle path. I think for like a minute straight, where they're trying to break down uh, Newcastle's. It was Partey, Zinchenko, and I think uh, Gabriel. And then second half, if you if you saw how they changed the angles with Jokic in between and Zinchenko really delivering, so the the spacing really opened up a lot more. I think that's that's a that was a significant improvement. They'll be disappointed with what happened in the final third. Because there were opportunities there, multiple opportunities there. But it's one of those days it happens, right? You're not, not going to be at sharp. But then with Emile smith row, you get a player who has very, very good off-ball awareness and off-ball positioning to play into those pockets. He picked up those interchanges playing on the left wing really, really well. And he can take on people really quite well. And he does it in a manner – that's different than both Martinelli, who loves his start-stop almost too much these days, mm. and Saka as well. And so it gives you a unique skill set and tool set that offers I think, new problems for a defense, especially if he's coming off the bench and, and that team has now has to adapt on the fly. That always makes it a lot more difficult
0: absolutely I think the 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 key with as as well as Smith Rowe and we talk about the bench against Newcastle the amount of time Smith Rowe came off the bench last season and scored you know that is going to be critical for us um and having another option for us and that's that's something I want to talk about So,
4: I was gonna ask the doc like with Emil Smith Rowe having been out for so long and coming back I don't know what the pitch is like at Oxford um Tom and I I haven't seen it in a long time uh Mm. I I think i i I don't know if that is that a good idea is for him to come back into a game like that. Does it matter considering the injury that he's had a tough, you know, FA Cup away game at Oxford, maybe on a turf that isn't as friendly as the carpet?
2: I mean, Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the biggest thing with, with pitches is is the dryness of them. That's the one thing we know can lead to injury. But I, I don't think he'll play the full game. He's probably allotted to 60 minutes or so if that. And then they'll get him out to use him as a, as a balance game, and then potentially I would say in the following match use him as a sub. So I don't think the pitch really comes into play here, you know, unless you're playing up on artificial turf again, which is a whole different type of uh, material. But otherwise, I don't think it comes into. It's not that big of a factor when it comes to his return to play.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm. They'll know what they. I don't think they'd throw him in necessarily if they did. If they didn't. If they weren't 100% sure that it was fine, I'm going to be there on Monday, fingers crossed, so I can report back what the pitch is like. So, for you, um, in the flesh, I'll see if I can go down and grab some. You know, you know, when they sell on eBay, like Wembley turf, like from 1966 or whatever. Oxford <laughs> turf. <laughs> I'm going to get some and sell it on eBay. So, I'm going to do. Um, I've already got one buyer, clearly, because you're interested. So, um, <laughs> The the kind of the other part I wanted to talk about, Owen, I mean, was uh, how he actually comes back into the team because Martinelli's obviously playing really, really well on the left-hand side. Uh, and we're being linked very heavily, as we know, with Makano Mudrick, who is, for all intents and purposes, a left-winger. So coming back might be a little bit tricky. Now I wanted to. I had a good chat with um, uh, Rohan Jivan, who I'm sure a lot of people will be aware of on on Twitter. Uh, Rohan's blogs really really good stuff. A little back and forth with him the other day uh, on Twitter about uh, Smith Rowe and how he comes back and about where his best position is. I still think his best position is off the left. He thinks that his best position is going to be. This left eight role that Granite Jack is playing, and I was curious as to why. And we had a bit of a back and forth on Twitter about it, as I do. Um, <laughs> and uh, I ended up doing a little bit of digging into this. Now, on uh, this is Emil Smith rowes heat map, uh, which you're seeing on the screen here from uh the 21-22 season so last season uh now what i want you to do is, is remember that and for those listening in audio feel free to hop over to, to to youtube to watch this back so you can see this properly i will describe it as well for you but keep that in mind when i change it to granite jacker's heat map from this season it's very similar there's a lot of similarities between those two. And what that tells us is that Jacker is occupying the same kind of spaces that Smith-Rowe was occupying despite playing left wing last season. So the question is, Owen, do you think Rohan's got a point in his theory that maybe this Jacker role, and we haven't really got too much depth in that position, can actually lead to more minutes for Smith-Rowe this season?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and in regards to that left wing position, I think uh, Variety is never a bad thing to have, you know. We seen there against Newcastle that even Gabriel Martinelli, say for example, wasn't having the best of nights, and to stick on a fresh leg Rubik's cube <laughs> for a defender to figure out when he's tired is a, is a very good thing to have. But in regards to the number eight position, I, th- I think that's what everybody thought Emil Smith Rowe was a number ten. Now we seemingly don't really play exactly with a number ten and more two advanced eights or whatever way you want to call it, but. I have no doubt in terms of his attack and press what what he can bring to the team you know we see Granatjak arriving in the box late in open spaces uh, and putting the ball away like I'm not I'm not sure in comparison to previous seasons but I would imagine that Jacka's goal t- contributions this season have taken a massive upturn now imagine putting Emile Smithrow who has a natural eye for goal on the end of them chances. You know, we've seen I think at one point last season Emile Smithrow was our top scorer, if I'm not wrong, potentially the mm-hmm. season before. So he has an eye for goal. The big question is, is is he defensively sound enough to cover that position? Because whilst we see Granit Jacket getting into those advanced positions, when we are going through a sustained period of pressure, we see Glanit Jacka sort of you know, uh, drop back into that more defensive position to soak up pressure. Alongside Thomas Partey, another thing I'll say that people don't understand about um, midfield, especially in a high level like Premier League, is that. It takes so much maturity, so much experience, so much game knowledge and so much football intelligence to play that position. You know, it isn't just about running around ragged and sticking your foot into tackles every two minutes. You really are where the, where the game is dictated is in central midfield. That's why we see the big drop-off in performances when we lose a player like Thomas Partey because he does that so well. That's why you're seeing players like Fabio Vieira, someone who is a midfielder. Uh, he would say that himself, but they're sort of shoehorned in on the wings to start just to get them some game experience get them a feel for the league get them a feel for the game before maybe moving into those more central areas a little later in their career now where do i see Smith smithrow i actually see emil smithrow probably much more if i was to compare him to any player probably like jack Grealish. that's the type of player i see him that that left winger that makes that inside run between the the Wing back and, and the central defender that's where Emil Smithrow I think does his most effective work. Can he play that in number eight position? I think this season I probably wouldn't overcommit to it unless it was in cup games or in Europa League ties. Um, but for me, he's still got a little bit of development uh, to do before he uh, holds down a position like that, especially coming off the back of a big injury like he has. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and I think it will take time to adjust. But I think that the I think what Rohan pointed out in that discussion is that the template's there, you know, for him to maybe assimilate into that role. And and if say we're in a position like we was against Newcastle, where we maybe need a player to come on to give us a little bit more further going forwards. Smith Rowe I think maybe is that player if you want to take off a, another midfielder for more of an attacking kind of player and, and we'll have to wait and see what happens especially if we end up signing someone like Mudrick during the transfer window and how that affects his competition and and lastly so final word on, on Smith Rowe and, and his return you know there is arguments that he could potentially give more rotation to Odegaard in the 10 role if we needed to Arteta's even backed him to play at false 9 you know in, in that kind of number 9 position I have my reservations about whether or not he could do that but it's key to have such a versatile asset come back into the team, isn't it?
4: We've missed, you know, we've missed him um, and as fans seeing him because we love him for so many different reasons. And last night was a perfect example. I think if I'm looking at last night's game as a blueprint of examples of Arsenal, what we need and, you know, kind of what we may have to do to adapt going forward, one of the key things for me was, you know, for, and for many, is who's going to come off the bench and change this game? And it felt like the perfect night for an Emil Smith-Rowe to come on like he was the super sub last season. One of you mentioned that to, to help affect and change the game. He was getting goals last season too. Um, you know, and prior to his injury, he and Saka were cooking uh, on that front. And we just want to make sure that he comes back and he's healthy. One of the biggest concerns is we hope he doesn't end up you know, this injury prone player um, who we know is so super talented, like a DRB, like a Jack Wilshire. Um, I know we talked with the Docker a few weeks ago about injury prone players. You know, when you're in this sport, it's going to happen. It just seems that we have to kind of wrap him up in cotton wool a bit and look after him. So I'm really excited for him to come back, uh, especially in terms of what he offers and the versatility. You're 100% spot on about that. You know, he's able to play in different positions and he's able to provide that you know, for the team and fingers crossed, everybody stays fit because this is going to be a long haul and past our starting 11, you know, we still have so many gaping holes, uh, oh. but to have a player like him who knows the league and can come up, come off the bench, you know, it's early for Marquinhos. It might be early for Vieira, but I, I'd like to circle back. I've got a question for the doc at, at the end of the show on that yeah. one. um He can come off the bench and, and he knows, he knows the game. He knows the league. he knows, what's going to be required of him. So I think that is also, you know, as we're looking to re- to enhance the squad, Tom, we do need a couple of players who know what it's like to play in the Premier League. I'm not saying or poo-pooing, like bringing in, you know, players who haven't played in the league before mm. because we've seen players shine. But I think when you're grinding to win a Premier League title, having a little bit more of that, I think is going to be important for us because they're coming for us. They're all coming for us. Yeah, they want no. us to fail. They do. As
0: as soon as we drew that game against Newcastle, the the knives were out. The knives were out straight away. Um, Whether it was trying to avoid talking about the penalty decision that should have gone Arsenal's way or whether it was criticising Mikel Arteta's antics on the sideline, which, you know... Pep Guardiola booted a bottle into the Leeds dugout the other day. Nothing was said. Absolutely, I haven't seen a single word uttered about Pep doing that. And yet, for some reason, Arteta losing his call because his team at the top of the table have had a frustrating game. I find mad I wrote about it today. I
4: I I think the reason why he's getting criticized is because all the managers that he's been compared to on that sideline have won and they're experienced managers. Now I'm not saying that's Mm. right or wrong, but on our show last night and I've had a few people come at me because of it, I said, I love his passion. I want him to be passionate. I want Mm. him to ignite the crowd. He's been superb at that, but I don't want that passion to evolve into naivety. We've got a young team and they're an image of their manager He does need to be a little bit calmer on that sideline. I'm not saying don't go for the officials and put pressure on them in the game. But Mm. yesterday I felt like he let it get to him a little bit. And that's the last thing we need is having our manager be affected by those moments in the game. It's one thing to kind of react to things. But I think yesterday it was indicative of maybe that inexperience in that he's got to stay calm. He really does. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I compared it to the clock moment at Anfield, Tom, and maybe that was a little bit different, but you saw how it affected us mentally. Now, mentally, we might be stronger this season to be able to deal with that, but I really do think that he needs to be a bit careful about that. I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying that it was maybe a little bit excessive and can translate to some of the younger players in a game.
3: Can I just say on that, uh, just to to counter that, I I, I liked it. I I really liked it. I liked it for the fact that it felt like the refs were against us. It felt like VAR was against us. And uh, let's face it, Newcastle were kicking lumps out of us for the majority of that match and using every dirty tactic in the book um, to try and get a result, of which they did. But the players, I think, at times didn't respond to that level of physicality to that level of conflict. And I think to a certain extent, Michael Arteta was setting an example, you know, for all we know, Michael Arteta is an extremely intelligent man. And I don't knock the fact that he's obviously an extremely emotional man too. And I don't know which one won last night, but to me, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was partially calculated. These things happen on a football pitch all the time in training oh. sessions. These things happen all the time, these small little bus stops, and it's just part of the game. Um. But the big difference is, is the media coverage of Mikel Arteta. And for me, part of the reason is because if you've seen uh, the managers that they've suckled up to over the past couple of years, you know, or Solskjaer, you know, everybody's best mate that's sitting in the Sky Sports Studio, he's outlasted him. Frank Lampard outlasted him. Steven Gerrard outlasted him. He's most likely, seemingly, going to outlast Antonio Cante at Spurs. You know, that, that every single stumbling block that the media have thrown up at him. Mikel Arteta has seemingly passed it with flying colours. Eventually, you know, it's not all been smooth sailing, but he's made a fool out of a lot of people. So when it's Jurgen Klopp, it's called passion. When it's Pep, it's called passion. But yet when Mikel Arteta turns around and does something like that, he's completely scrutinised and ridiculed. I
4: I agree with you completely on all of that. The last thing this team needs is our manager being red carded and up in the stands. That's, That's all. I just, I love it all. I just think that... He needs to curb just some of it. And he needs to tell his players to put pressure on the, the the way the Newcastle players put pressure on the official to get Odegaard booked. We need to do more of that. We're still too nice in a lot of places. You know, the Gabrielle pulling the shirt, they should have been thumping much harder on that front. Even the handball, just keep putting the pressure on the officials. And I know there were a few players with yellow cards, so we've got to be careful on that front, but he needs to tell them to do that more. Jacker, Partey, yeah. Gabriel, those players, he needs to tell them a little bit, you know, we need to master the dark arts too. And, you know, I just think he needs to just be a little bit careful. I agree with you on the comparisons. It's not fair. But again, I think they're, they're comparing him because he hasn't won the big one yet.
2: Yeah, just one thing. I think especially when you have an official who's prone to being bullied. Uh, Bruno, Bruno recognized it right away. So did Trippier. They were on him from like the fifth minute, working him the entire game, because they knew he was a pushover. Mm-hmm. And, and you saw what happened over the course of a game. So that comes with that lack of uh, naivete. And just one last point for me, I, something I want to touch on that Owen said about uh, midfielders. It's really hard to gauge a midfielder, because it's often not that the move that they make is the one that they don't make, which is so important, right? And that's why you have a lot of individuals when Xhaka wasn't quote-unquote playing well, and they thought he's, you know, it's because it's harder to assess that. But when you have a midfielder who's always around the ball, there's a reason for that, especially with this Arsenal team. Winning second balls is so important. It's a big part of what we do with Partey and Jaka. And I think Smith-Rowe becoming that eight, there's a big learning curve there. I think we see it with Lacanga going from an eight to a six, especially, you know, mm. acclimating to the Premier League. It's the same thing. But I think the one positive with Smith-Rowe is that he seems to have a really, really high intelligence and ability to learn very, very quickly, which would potentially bode well for him in, in that transition.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um... I think that there is a lot more to come from this Arsenal team that people maybe are underestimating um, they're kind of waiting for us to fall apart they're waiting for us to slip up and actually maybe they should be waiting for us to to do even more than we've done so far and with this genuine hopefully it combines to enable us to do that um, the final part of the show is the questions for Doc section which we're coining as of today um, Owen has been away and probably still unaware of the fact we've been doing this so he's going to go last as he can think one up if he hasn't done so already have you, have you got one or are you thinking he's thinking turning. I make our
3: lies for 11 man. That's what i do every <laughs> <five>. Don't worry about <laughs> me.
0: Uh, I'm gonna start off with uh with uh one for the doc about specifically Gabriel Jesus, um, who as we saw has now ditched the crutches, uh, according to his Instagram page. Now uh still very broad, but I was my very broad you know scale question is doc, what can we kind of infer from the fact he's now ditched those crutches?
2: That he's not walking with crutches anymore and that's that's that and that's
0: why we pay him the big bucks <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly it, it's
2: it, it's so er- it's so it's so early in the rehab uh I, th- I think a far more pertinent thing is that there was a picture of him where he was doing uh some rehab on single leg weight bearing so he's full weight bearing on that leg again it's so early i would expect him to be off crutches by now he's still in that full brace so until it really starts to increase, I've probably said this on Twitter a, a solid t- 20 times, is that until we get to see him really progress uh, you know, to higher-level activity, especially multi-directional activity, it's hard to really gauge how well he's doing or not doing. But everything thus far is, has been pretty expected from him.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so I didn't listen to any of that because I was just Googling other Arsenal supporting doctors of phys- physiotherapy <laughs> to come on the show instead. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so off you go, I'll ask oh, your question so to good. the doctor.
4: <laughs> 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 okay, doc. Um, so I want to circle back to Fabio Vieira because you had mentioned him and the physicality of the game yesterday, and it was something that was been swirling in my mind since the game because. I'm thinking to myself, wow, we have a £35 million investment on the bench and we're not using him. He's been there now since the summer. Um, we've seen slight players like David Silva play in bruising games for Manchester City. I want to buy into this, He it was too physical for him, but at the same time, when we needed someone to come on and unlock a pass or maybe even score a wonder goal, he, for me, would have been the one to come on. Could have come on... Maybe for one for for a Jacques or he could have come on. Maybe for Odegaard, how is it he's still not ready physically to play in a game like this when we've invested so much money in him? And I just I need I need someone to help me understand that.
2: Yeah, I I think a big part of it is the fact that he didn't have a true preseason in the summer. He was dealing with foot soreness, so he wasn't really able to, to uh, get into his higher level strength and conditioning. He wasn't really able to get into those games and then and really play and get match fit, and then you had the break, I think this preseason did benefit him in, in, that, in that way. But I think if you gave him a little bit more time developing that fitness after this true preseason, then he could be ready. And then we also have to understand terrible conditions yesterday weather-wise, and Newcastle is arguably the most physical team. And then also, like I think something you touched on earlier is that you don't want to lose that game either. So if you do burn him in on for Jaka, who is arguably our most positionally adept player and you bring on a player like Vieira for him, you know, how much are you potentially also giving away when Newcastle does break? Right. And so I think we consider all three of those things. It made sense him not coming on. I think he'll certainly get some more games here, but just to me yesterday, all those factors just weighed into place in not bringing them on. It just, it just one of those, I think, He's getting more fit, but it takes time. I think we saw even with Thomas Partey his first year, he came in last day, right? And this is a player who's very, very physically robust during his time in La Liga. He came in and had a hard time adjusting to the physicality of the Premier League. If you look at the data on the Premier League, it's by far the most intense in terms of number of sprints that that are required. And so then you add in the physicality of the players. So the level of physicality in the Premier League for a player like him, um, it's it's a very, very big jump. And I, I, that's something that I think there might not be an appreciation for. And so I think we're seeing that with Vieira and they're handling him as that long-term project rather than someone to give them that immediate thrust. I think that that, mo- that more falls on the shoulders of an Emil Smith
4: I think the doc just redeemed himself, Tom, what do you think?
0: <laughs> I suppose I will agree. Um, Owen, finish this round off.
3: Yeah, so look, obviously with this being a fitness podcast to a certain extent or, or improvement <laughs> podcast, that's what we'll call it. Yeah, because, we'll call it that. Uh, yeah. yeah, because I'm not fit. <laughs> but, um, so I hear this reasoning or excuse or, or whatever you want to call it a, a lot of the time, and it's that... I'm too big to run. (laughs) You know, you you hear some people turn around and say, I know, but this is the, uh, for example, somebody like myself, who's I'm six foot, I'm about 14 and a half stone. I run fairly well, but I think that's probably because of athletic background. So I have two questions essentially for you. Someone of our profile in around average height, male, say for example, how big is too big to run where you're maybe going to cause to your joints and stuff like that. that's that's things that you often hear of people and number two for those people who do want to start to enter into exercise and maybe running isn't something they feel comfortable doing what is some what are some activities that are less intense and less but damaging to potentially their joints and stuff like that
2: the first question is almost impossible i mean there's really no way to answer you know what is too big to run for me when it comes to running it's less about size. It's more about what that person's strength base is. And so, because in the end, when you're running, it's like a series of single leg hops, right? That's all running is. And so your body has to be able to absorb that force. And so it, I can't just say there's a certain, you know, height or weight or whatever it is that's going to make you too, you know, too big or too small or whatever it is to run. Right. And so it really comes down more to it. Like you said, I would think to, for me, your, your strength background, your, your, your strength base and things of that nature. But when someone asks me that, I always say, no, I have, I have to assess them. It's it's really quite hard to say. But to that point, what I would say is, oh, we start conservatively. If you do, if you're unsure about, about, about it, rather than, you know, go for a three mile run, start with the walk run. And there's plenty of plans out there that are quite conservative. You know, it's almost like drinking. You can always add shots, but you can't take them away. Right. Hmm. And so you, you might as well. Figure out. Entirely, that,
0: yeah, right? yeah,
2: but <laughs> you you might as well um, you know start conservatively and see how you respond, and then add kind of more distance to it. So that's that's always my my recommendation when it comes to to running, really any activity. And then to your second question, you know, start with something that's more non impact. So I I love I personally think cycling is great, especially you know if someone's if someone is really concerned about how it might affect them, you know, start on a recumbent bike, a seated bike, because it's not going to put you in that, you know, that upright, right position where you're hunched over, right? So try it on there and, and, you know, start with, I. you need at least 10 minutes for actual cardiovascular effect. Start with 10, see how you feel, and then add, you know, add minutes, you know, over the course, even if you added three minutes a day over the course of a week, right? That's six, let's say you started with 10, you add three minutes a day, you're now at 28 at the end of the week. So it's just all about adding consistently and eventually you'll get to where you want to go. And so I like cycling. Elliptical, I'm a little weary of because it can put a little stress on your back and it depends on how you're doing it. So my recommendation would be cycling.
3: Sweet. So basically what I was trying to get out of you is I can make Michael Feinberg go for a run.
0: <laughs> I thought I was wondering where this is going. Uh,
3: yeah, so
4: those who don't know our good
0: friend Mike from the Gooners Pods. Do you know the, um, I wouldn't?
4: Ne- I was. Would, so I was gonna. I would, I would yeah, never have guessed Owen was six foot. This is a great podcaster because we're all sitting down Everybody all the time. Says
3: that everybody's the like, is always He's much bigger than you'd expect. Said, yeah, yeah, it's
4: like the uh, Patrick Swayze in uh, Roadhouse. You're bigger yeah. than I thought. You know. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah I've met Owen in real life. He is tall. Nearly as tall as me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're,
3: you're like green giant tall. It's not normal. Silly. Yeah. Uh, you're... <laughs> the amount of people that are
0: like, no, I, only, I don't I don't believe you've got these long legs. But no, I genuinely do. Uh, in answer to your question, I'll tell you what isn't too big to run Owen. It's a male, about six foot, 14 and a half. <laughs> you're not, you're not
3: I've, um... actually, I've actually ordered one of the little armband thingies from a phone. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting on yeah, I carry now. my come... phone in my hand. I probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's 899. It. And I've actually, uh, Tom, I've got a challenge that I want to put to you. Um, call it a bet. And and Sophie, you can get involved too, but there's going to be no um, sort of repercussions for you on this. But I come to London on the 22nd, and I think is it 15 days from Saturday, which is this Saturday. So that would be 15 days. And between me and you on Stratford, we'll have to do 15 miles a day. Uh, between now a and then <laughs> not a day Jesus Christ um, no between now and then 15 miles recorded on Stratva and if one of us oh. loses out the other one has to pay for dinner for
0: oh other. i like that yeah i like yeah. that okay uh that's interesting i'm gonna lose just for starters um no but, but you can do yeah.
3: 15 mail if we both do 15 mail it's fine
0: yeah it's... look I'll, i was actually you segue perfectly because to, to end the show uh, and i haven't told you guys about this because it's i only found out about this as we were just about before we were going to record so i was looking on the strava app, which by the way we've now got 40 people uh have joined us but what, one of the best things I've ever seen since starting this YouTube channel, I've just seen on this Strava group. So this comment, this post came up from Heming uh, Lera, uh, who says, uh, uh, basically there was a guy called Timo who posted a picture that they were cycling in South Southern Spain. And, uh, Hemming wrote back saying, I saw that Timo was cycling Altea when I was running in Alicante. I invited him to the Red Corner Sports Bar in Alicante and we're here watching Arsenal against Newcastle. And if I just click back, uh, there is a picture of them two watching the game (laughs) together. How cool is that? (laughs) I love that. Awesome! That's two people that are on our Strava group didn't know each other prior to joining that group, and now they've watched an Arsenal game together in southern Spain. So that is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah that made my day genuinely you two, Timo and Heming seeing that so thank you so much for being a part of the Strava group as I said we've got 40 people on there now uh, if you'd like to join uh, if you already have like a running app or, or another kind of muscle app that's fine you don't have to commit anything to this you literally just join up it's like Twitter just a running group and you don't even have to record things it doesn't it's not just running it's cycling it's weight exercises you record everything that you do if you want to um, I recorded my first mile of the year a couple of days ago I've had two days off because that mile actually I, I my right calf has been so tight <laughs> since that run I didn't I run the last couple of days but with Owen challenging now I'm gonna have to get back into it um so yeah so, so would that work that... if
4: I row at home on my machine
0: you can record I... that on Strava yeah, but yeah I, anything I Yeah, anything you can record on it. So it's www.strava.com slash clubs slash ESARP. That's Eat, Sleep, Arsenal, Repeat podcast. So E S A R P. So slash ESARP at the end. Join up and uh, get yourself posted. You might end up making new friends and even meeting those to go and watch Arsenal games with. Incredible. That really did make my day. Um, To finally finish the show, I couldn't not uh, mention, and we talked about this beforehand, of course, there was a big... um, health-related issue uh, in the world of sport outside of, of just football and soccer, um, with, with Damar Hamlin, of course, who suffered a cardiac arrest um, in an NFL match over that festive period. Sophie, I know that you are very much in this, and I'm sure Raj as well, so I wanted to give you two the opportunity to to comment on this, because the impacts and the, the coverage that this story has got has obviously been massive, So So tell me kind of your reactions to that.
4: Yeah, um, I watched the whole thing. I, I love watching Monday night football. Uh, living here in the U.S., it's it's the it's the showcase game, and it was a really big game as well between two teams that you know could potentially go on to the Super Bowl and maybe win it. And you know when that happened, it's never a good thing, is it? When you see a player just fall the way that he did, twenty three years old, so young, super athlete. And it was. It took you back to Fabrice Muamba. It took you back to Erickson. I Didn't realize. I didn't know the Chris Pronger thing, um, Doc. If I don't know if you saw that in the in the NHL a few years ago, um, suffered similar when an ice puck an ice puck hit him, you know, in the chest. But I, you know, the best thing, the the thing about these things is good things come out of awful situations. And the one thing I just wanted to mention was that. He had a toy drive. This is a young player who's really trying to make his way in the NFL. And he had this toy drive with local kids. um, And it was at $2,500, you know, on that night. And today, I believe they've hit the $5 million mark. And out of these, you know, situations, it just shows you when people come together, the power of what we can do. Um, And I know that he's still in critical condition. And there's a lot of people out there who are rooting for him. Um, and uh, people are still donating money as well. So it just kind of took me back to those moments, Tom, and the way people have come together in the sport here and players is is really kind of special to see, and that's the best thing that has come out of a horrific situation.
0: Mm, yeah, well said. And Raj, close close the show off with your thoughts, mate.
2: Yeah, I think in a general scary situation, right, you see a player go down and then requiring CPR um Latest reports, I think he needed to be resuscitated, resuscitated twice. Once on mm-hmm. the field, and then one one other time too, meaning his his uh, heart rate had stopped, and then he needed a, a AED as well. I think firstly, I want to give credit to all those personnel who, who responded extremely extremely well uh, with their preparation, you know, take over, and in the end, you know, gave him a chance. And so I think firstly for them, you know, massive credit for that, and then you know just just generally, I mean, it's. This is unfortunately something that, with Chris Pronger, um, you've seen before. When it comes, it's not something that that's that's common at all. It's quite quite rare when you have this impact-related potentially cardiac arrest. Um, there's a there's a really really good YouTuber. He's a, he's actually an MD sports specialist, Brian Setter, who released releases a really good video on what it might be something called Commodial cordis, essentially where impact when you have impact when your heart rate is at a certain beat it can lead to that shutdown and that cardiac arrest. And it's extremely rare. That's what he believes happened, not my expertise at all. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to comment on whether it's correct at all. But um, what I do know, he's, you know, he's in deep, the, the typical protocol afterwards. And this is for my friend who's a neurologist in order to help sit, save uh, brain function is that they take, take you down into into like a colder state called hypothermic protocol, and then deep sedation for 48 hours. And that's likely why we haven't had many updates because you have to get through that period first and then you're going to know more information. But just in general, obviously quite scary uh, to see a high, you know anyone happen in light like that, but then obviously to see a, a player kind of at the peak of their health and to happen mm-hmm. in such a, a public uh, atmosphere. But I think a positive, like so said, is kind of the outpouring of, of support in, in this regard. And, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see, hopefully it leads to some changes in NFL protocol because allegedly they were like, um, all right, guys, you got five minutes to warm up until the coaches came in and said, um, yeah, we're not playing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, it often takes these types of sad events for things to change. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but in the end, I think, I think we all have his, you know, this, this thoughts and best wishes for him and, and his family and his friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as Sophie said, it kind of harks back to the Ericsson. I I still find it staggering that that game completed on that day. Um, Yeah. Um, the sport needs to learn, you know, there's lots of different aspects. We get, we talk about this, we talk about head injuries and stuff like that. You know, the sport needs to learn and improve and take responsibility for itself. And it's still not where it can be. Um, thank you so much everybody for listening. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, tune in as always do drop a like subscribe and all that lovely stuff. Raj, thank you so much for your time, Matt, as always uh, tell people where they can find you.
2: You can find me at three CB performance on pretty much all the social media channels. And, uh, Appreciate the time, as always, with everyone here.
0: Lovely stuff. Owen, a pleasure, my friend. Good to have you back.
3: Yeah, always good, buddy. Always good babe. good to be back. Um, yeah, you can find me there, uh, Owen Young AFC on Twitter or on the Gooners pod when we rarely do a podcast. Our frequency is going up this week, though.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so Mike's been pestering me. It's, it's been a ridiculously heavy time for me to, to get on pod, so I've not been able to do it. But uh, yes, make sure you do go subscribe to the Gooners pod if you haven't done so already. And of course, Raj is at 3CB Performance on YouTube as well. Make sure you're subscribed over there too. Um, and lastly, Sophie, thank you so much for your time. As always, uh, I'm glad Great. you're feeling better. It's good
4: to see thank you better. Um, thank you. Thank here. I'm not going to plug my show today. I'd like to plug something I'm doing next Tuesday on the Gooners pod. Um, it's this FA yeah. Cup competition special. I don't know what it is, um, but it's Peter Drury, Lee Dixon, and myself as judges. Please go over to the Gooners pod at the Gooners <laughs> pod. Check it out. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Mike does really good things, as you all know, um, for charity and these guys are coming in and it's going to be fun. So I wanted how to mention does, that. How do we way. get
3: these people?
0: Out of the- <laughs> I saw Peter the other day in the yeah, the Amex Stadium's press lounge. It's just like, oh, I, was, I really it would have been so unprofessional. But I wanted to go up to him and be like, thank you so much for just making the uh, Arsenal girls so emotive because it means <laughs> so much. And I listened back to him in the commentary. Um, lovely stuff. Uh, We will see you uh, next week, uh, probably, hopefully uh, the earlier uh, time. We've obviously recorded this a day later, um, but with Arsenal playing on Tuesday, Arsenal play Monday next week, so hopefully we can record Tuesday evening if it suits everybody and uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Hope you've enjoyed the new intro and outro video to this show. If you want to see it and you listen on audio, jump over to YouTube and give it a watch but it's, it's coming for you in just a second. But Have a fantastic day and evening and as always up the Arsenal. conditions apply five years or a 100,000 miles whichever comes
2: first
1: pro pilot is an advanced driver assist technology driver's responsibility to stay alert drive safely and control vehicle at all times
2: this
0: podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans